Principal Matters Podcast, episode 230. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to be talking about decision fatigue with my special guest and welcome back co-host Jen Schwanke, principal of Indian Run Elementary School in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two books, including her newest, The Principal Reboot, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership. Jen, before we jump into content, let's just catch up. How in the world are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, you know, I have focused myself on trying to find all the good things amid all this mess. So I feel really, really good. I, We were talking a little bit earlier about how Ohio is a desolate place to be in January, but we're doing okay. It's okay. How about you, Will? We haven't caught up in a while. Tell me yeah. how things are in, in Oklahoma. They're great. We had such a beautiful holiday here. Both of our girls home from college and we're back in the swing of things. My two younger kids are both in high school and thankfully their schools have been back in nice. um, with masks and protocols. Um, it's always possible that they'll have to pivot home. They had to do that last semester, but Jen, I cannot complain. I'm not traveling yeah. in, right now, but I've been able to connect with leaders virtually. And uh, how about you guys? What is, what's been the status at your school? Have you been in and out or what, what's going on at Indian Run Elementary? You know, we have been in a hybrid model since the first, our district started re, in remote learning the first two weeks of school. But after that, we were in hybrid model. And I really think our model, um, I, humbly, I say, it is the best that I've heard of because from the beginning, we committed to half days. So we see our students every day. We see a group in the morning and then we see a group in the afternoon. And our middle, middle schools did the same thing. Now the high schools were remote for, have been remote for quite a big part of this school year. Now they'll mm -hmm. be going back in the hybrid model next week. And in our area, in the Columbus metropolitan area, there's, there is every single rendition of every version of schooling happening. There are some schools that have not gone back at all. They're all remote. And then there's some, particularly in the outer lying rural areas that have been full in, um, you know, from the beginning. So um, very different models in all the districts around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same conversations I'm having with principals here in Oklahoma and then across the U.S. And even some who reach out to me from overseas, it's just such a variety of models, mm -hmm. depending on where you are and depending on exposure, depending on your government policies. And, but the one constant that I'm hearing from a lot of people is just how much more fatigued they are by constant decision-making than they have been in years past. And I, I kind of wanted to go there today with you, Jenna. I know there's lots of other things you and I could unpack in this conversation, but I kind of wanted to start there because um, I was in a conversation with a principal recently who told me, and, and I don't have permission to share this story, but she just told me of some new uh, government policies that had just been passed um, by uh, their, her state. And, and they had things kind of humming at their school. And as soon as these protocols came out, she literally just shut the door of her office, laid in the floor and stared at the ceiling. It was like, how in the world are we going to move forward now? Because now I have a whole nother layer of decisions that we have to make. And by golly, I'm getting tired of having to make decisions. And so I just wanted to park there for a little bit because I know you've been having to make a lot of decisions this year that you haven't had to make. And what's that been like? 
a really good uh, a good story to start with because I think a lot of principals have had that moment where they close the door and they sink to the floor <laughs> and look skyward. Um, and I wonder if these decisions are feel so big and so unrelenting because they're every one of them is new. You know, when you make a decision in a typical year about discipline or about a safety drill or about a response to a parent, you've done it before, or there's somebody in, on your network that's done it before. And so you, you have kind of a schema to help guide your thinking. And this kind of decision-making we've been making for the last 10 months, it's all very uh, alone. You know, if you, you feel like you're doing it in isolation, and of course the irony is we're not, but it feels that way. And the, the thing about this job, I know you feel the same, Will, is the problems never really end. But boy, we all keep looking for that time when we're done, right? Like everything's fixed now. We're in the routines. <laughs> okay, we're good, right? And that we have not been allowed to have that illusion with COVID because things change so rapidly. Yeah. And there's also the kind of the joy in leadership of when you've done it for a while, you find the groove and you're able to like look down six months from now or 12 months from now and start preparing ahead of time so that, so that that groove you can enjoy, you know, and, right. it, and you know, there's going to be fires to put out along the way, but you know, and I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here. Everybody who listens to the show lives this, but another principal told me, she said, well, remember when you were an assistant principal, how much time it took to do a student suspension? And I was like, yeah, that was sometimes that was, it, it depended on the situation, but it could be a full day ordeal with parent meetings and paperwork and all the things that had to come with, with those emotional. And sometimes it could be quicker. And she said, now I want you to multiply that amount of work by 20 when you have to quarantine a whole classroom of kids and follow up with every parent and fill out the paperwork that comes with it. And then imagine that happening day after day. After, she, it's really difficult to imagine doing school when suddenly you're asked to do those things consistently that in the past you would do hopefully infrequently and in some cases frequently, but it's just, it's the never ending cycle that's happening because of things you cannot control. Right. And, and so um, I don't have a lot of advice right now for leaders because I feel like when someone is in the middle of a battle, the last thing they need is for you to tell them how to rest, <laughs> you know, like right. when they're in the battle, but I do want to let them know they're not alone um, because this is not something that only they're experiencing. And it's not forever. Pandemics don't last forever. And, and that is something I know a lot of us, have been hanging on to. And the fatigue for me comes with that hope. You know, I've had that hope since June. This is almost over. This is almost over. And it's just not, but it will be, it really will. And in the end, I think what we're doing with all the decisions we're making now, the, the bigger game is the trust we're building with our communities and the breaks we're giving to our teachers when they need them. And the, the fact, even for any school that's open and students come in, we are building those relationships and connecting in new ways to our families. And the other thing, I'm sure you and I could do many episodes on this. We are learning so much about how students learn. We're learning about what matters. We're learning how to call things that really needed to be gone anyway. Um, you know, I, I have, I've watched teachers over the years, they hang on to a project or a unit that they love, right? And maybe this year is the year they don't have time to do it. And they might find that's freeing or they might find that they have found a different way to look at it. And those are the innovations that, um, that maybe 
we need to look a little bit deeper for, but they're there. And they're the things that we need to hang on to after this is over. I truly believe we're going to come out of this better than ever. I think we're going to have so many more tools in our toolkit and the inspiration to implement it in a format maybe that we had never even dreamed of before COVID. That's so inspiring. And I'll give you a quick example from our family life, but my oldest daughter is a high school senior and she plays the oboe and she made all state this year for the second year, which is a a really big deal. But normally that means a weekend at a hotel practicing with students from all across the entire state um, and then performing a concert for parents and everyone in this huge you know, thousand person auditorium so that you have this moment of huge celebration and that's not happening this year. So she's been online the last two days connecting with the students, all the other Allstate students and virtually connecting with instructors and talking through music. And the first night it was really frustrating for her because she remembered how fun it was the year before, but she's, she's been between breaks relaying to us how much she's enjoyed it. You know, the parts that she, because they've been bringing in professional musicians to speak to them and talk about their careers and their lives. And so there's elements of learning that she's getting in this setting that she wouldn't have gotten before. Is it ideal? No, but you're right, Jen, there's going to be something that happened now that would have never happened before. And who knows a year from now, we're going to look back. um, And I'm sure that program will look back and be able to implement some things that they've never done before too. So that's the part I have to keep holding on to. Absolutely. I'm so glad you told that story for two reasons. One is to highlight that things can can be different and still be okay. But also think of what your daughter's learning. You know, it, it this stuff, it's not all crisis and tragedy. There's some great that comes out, great things that come out of it. And she in turn will learn to be flexible and maybe a little more accepting when things aren't going to be as she had hoped. And I think that that what I've had such an increase in faith of in, in the human the human experience is our students are so flexible throughout this. They are not getting hung up as adults are. And we know the difference between kids and, and adults as learners is adults have experiences that kind of get in our way, right? Kids don't have those experiences. And so they tend to be like, well, okay, <laughs> that's what we have to do and we'll do it. We as adults can stand to learn so much from from the young people who are experiencing this. I agree. And I know that the 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 topic that we're talking about is decision fatigue. Um, and so I, I'd like to kind of switch gears for a second, Jen, because we're not the only ones that are experiencing decision fatigue. Our leaders are not, your teachers are too. And so I, I'm just really curious because I know this is a question coming up among a lot of principals, which is how are you staying connected to your staff? How are you staying connected to your teachers? How are you helping them along the way during their decision fatigue? I think the the teachers are very tired in ways that they didn't expect. In some, in some ways, things are easier, especially for teachers who have reduced classes. I know in my experience, many of the teachers have class sizes half of what they've had in the past. So they don't have maybe the classroom management issues that they had before. What they have, though, is the requirement of jamming in a year's curriculum in half a year's time, really, if you just work out the minutes. And so they're having to decide where the value is, where their best instructional practices need to um, you know, lie in, in how they manage their classrooms and their planning. In, in many, many cases, teachers' planning has doubled because they're needing to, to do asynchronous 
work and they're needing to do synchronous work. So I'll tell you how I have, have um, supported them. And that is really by giving them a break giving them a lot of breaks. And I don't mean make it easier on them. I just mean always asking myself to err on the side of compassion and empathy. And I have seen, um, I have seen teachers soar that maybe felt 10 months ago, they couldn't do this. Uh, A quick story. There's a teacher on my staff and she said to me last March, I can't do it. I cannot be a remote teacher. And I said to her, well, how long till retirement? And she said five years. And I said, well, then you have to do it you have to. And we had an hour long conversation and there were tears. And, and I just said, listen, there's, there's one fork in the road girl, and there's only one way to go. And guess what? She has figured it out. And I pulled her aside about two or three months ago. And I said, you are a rascal. You are so good at this. Now I had seen her lead a parent teacher conference and she was managing screens and and a couple breakout rooms and some presentations. And she has just transformed as a teacher. And so the decision-making was there for her. First of all, can I do this? But then how, how deeply am I going to go and how fantastic am I going to make this experience? So she made several personal decisions too, that, that led to um, a, a very enriching experience for her students. So I tell that story just because I think the decision fatigue for teachers is is huge and it's heavy, but I'm seeing them come out of it. I'm seeing them come out fighting and swinging and better than ever. Yeah, I love that story. And for several reasons, one, because it's a good reminder that everyone in this climate this year has been a first year educator Mm -hmm. all over again. Yes, yes. And and the second thing is that... um, is remembering to give yourself, and I'm speaking directly to Principal Matters listeners right now, Remember, to, remembering to give yourself permission not to be perfect. Because so often as we, as you grow in your experience, you, you begin to develop a little pride in the fact that you're figuring some things out and getting better at some things. And this year, I think a lot of people have felt an additional le- layer of anxiety because they're just not doing it as well as they want to do it. And yet they may not even recognize how much they've learned and are doing well that they never knew how to do before. And so that's such a great picture, Jen. As you were saying that, I was just thinking about all the different skills I've learned in Zoom meetings and virtual presentations that I didn't know before. I've used Zoom for a long time. You and I have always used it for this podcast, but there were features of it that I never had experienced and, and being able to pull groups into meetings and and be able to share content or go into breakout rooms. Just like you said, none, most of us did not know how to do any of that prior to this and 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 what a way to enhance our ability to teach. And we didn't we had no reason to look. We had no reason to figure things out. Things were working just fine and then all of a sudden we were forced to. And if I had a nickel for every time um in a technology learning environment, a teacher will say, oh my gosh, that's so easy. I had no idea. I just have to drag this student's name over and now I have a breakout room and then I can click this button. Oh my. They're so astounded by how technology's evolution has made this doable. And before it just felt like, you know, one hurdle after another, after another, after another, another, but it's not like that. When you sit down and force yourself to learn, it's it the, the road opens up. And the funny thing is, when we all got out of college and got our first teaching job, we didn't hesitate to take risks with ourselves. We just had to do it because we had a teaching job and we had to pay the rent, right? Well, now for some of us who are a little bit older and who were entrenched in our systems, it's a challenge. You have to self-talk and say, all right, I guess I'll sit down and figure this out. But what a victory it is when we do, right? It, it feels like 
feels like we're young again and we've, we've cracked the code. Mm-hmm. So let, let's stay there for a minute, Jen, with our teachers, because um, something else that I've heard from leaders, and I'm not suggesting by asking you these questions that you have all this figured out and that your school is happy and everything's <laughs> perfect, okay? Because you're, you're, yeah. you and your teachers are struggling just like everybody else. But, but, I, but I've had a leader ask me recently, more than one leader. So what are you doing to keep teachers encouraged? Because I'm running out of ideas. And and so I'm not saying that to suggest that you've got it all figured out, but I I just want to, let's rehearse again, some of the ways that the principals can stay connected with their teachers so that they can keep encouraging them. Well, you're exactly right. I don't have it figured out. And I am sure there's, for every teacher I feel a, a tight connection with, I'm sure there's a teacher who feels neglected. But I have found that um, surface level tokens of appreciation don't get me very far in this kind of environment. So, you know, everybody likes extra, you know, some cookies thrown down to, for people to eat or some, um, you know, tokens in the mailbox. But what I have found to really get me some mileage in this environment is just those one-on-one look me in the eye, tell me how I'm doing, ask, you know, ask questions. Those are the kind of things that are, are really successful for me. And by that, I mean, you know, stopping by a teacher's room and just not just saying good morning, but saying, tell me about your son's daycare. Have they been able to stay open? Oh, is your husband working from home or is he able to go in the office? How have your parents been faring? And those kind of conversations, you know, now you have a platform to ask and the things that you can learn about each person's individual story and experience through this really helps connect you. And then again, it helps you to give them the benefit of the doubt if there's an area where they're stumbling a little bit. I love listening to people tell stories. I love that more than anything. And I feel like this has this COVID thing has opened my story, my, my story skills more than ever, because I'm listening better and I'm asking questions more. And therefore I know my people better. Mm, those, those are good reminders, Jen. And I think that one-on-one is so powerful. And, yes. and, and as I'm talking to principals who are taking time to just reach out and ask that question or send that text or just send that individual email, not just a group one and just say, how are you doing? Um, and staying connected is so, so powerful. Um, let's get down to the nitty gritty too, because there's some principals listening to this that are like, okay, I'm decision fatigued. I'm trying to reach out to teachers so that they're not, I'm trying to stay connected and encourage them. But then there's also a lot of work to do. I, I need to know that instruction is being, is mean, is happening meaningfully with these kids, which brings us to evaluations. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really curious, how, how are you, how are you managing that in this kind of setting? I've heard of some schools and districts who are suspending teacher evaluations this year through memorandums of understanding or um, maybe just deciding not to evaluate teachers in this environment. And I speak only for myself. I do not mean to disrespect anyone or any district who has made that decision. I want this year to do evaluations more than ever. And in in my state, um, a a recently adopted program has it so we're doing two evaluations a year. And that's a lot, and it's a huge burden. But 
I'm going to tell you, I feel a, a almost a drive to document some of the fantastic things I see teachers doing. And I don't think this is Jen being a Pollyanna or putting on rose-colored glasses. There have definitely been challenges. But I want to write down on paper the things that I see teachers doing well. They they made a you know a 180 in a lot of ways with how they teach and how they had to adjust and the way they're planning and communicating with parents using video, using resources that they didn't even know existed 10 months ago. And I want to write that down because I want these teachers to know I see you. And not only do I see you, but I'm willing to put this in a document that will go in your personnel file that we can all look at. I want to use this as a celebration. So I think even if my district said we don't need to evaluate teachers, I think I still would because I want to document the positives. Um, are there teachers that are struggling? Yes. But now I can look around and see how many ways we've been solving problems. And I feel like I have lots of um, expanded ways to give feedback and suggestions to teachers. And what are you seeing on your end? Are you seeing other principals who are diving deep into evaluations or are, are you seeing some anxiety and nervousness about how to get this done? I'm seeing both. And I, you know, and so I'm not going to speak to um, the, to the practice from, for myself personally, Jen, because I, I love what you said there, which is you have to decide what works for you. You know, I was on the phone with the principal just a few days ago, who's, who's, who's been quarantined himself two or three times. Um, and so his ability to connect with teachers is just limited. And so I think giving yourself permission to do what you can do is exactly. super important. Um, but what I love about what you said is that it gives you the opportunity to think about how can I make the best of this? How can I, how can I look for the ways teachers are learning new skills or flourishing in new ways that they haven't before so that when we look back at this experience, I haven't missed out on seeing that. And so I, I do think that even if your state is lifting mandates on this, don't don't allow that to um, take away the opportunity to still be in classrooms, or in, whether that's virtually or in person, because you may be missing out on some of the joy that helps you cope through the fatigue. And I'm going to use this again. Trust me, I'm, I'm going to be able to pull out some of the things that I have seen in classrooms these last few months and use them in the future. So I can say to a teacher, listen, I know how quickly you can learn technology, or I have seen you set up a Google Meet with um, a, a guided reading group and teach your heart out from your living room couch. I've seen you do amazing things. So I know that we can adapt and adjust as we need to going forward. I'm going to remind teachers of how quickly and how thoroughly they were able to um, connect with kids even in this pandemic. So it's a, it's a gift we've been given. I really believe that. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I just can't wait to, go. it goes back to normal. And oh, this is just, you know, we're going to have to write this whole year off. We're just, students are losing so much. And I kind of chafe against that. I just don't think it's true. I think this is a definitely a time to embrace what we're learning. I love that, Jen. And we're going to wrap up with those thoughts here. But I just want to remind Principal Matters listeners that as you are leading through a time like no other before, this decision fatigue that you have teachers, students, family members, community members who feel the same way, but how are you able to look at that situation and still find those glimmers of hope uh, of, like Jen just said, realizing that this is an opportunity that someday you'll be able to look back with perspective. So Jen, before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance for some closing thoughts too. 
how to manage decision fatigue to me is really a mindset, acknowledging that it's there, acknowledging indeed we're tired, but this job is not one where decisions ever really go away, right? There's, they're just going to keep coming. The, the difference right now is every decision is a new one and they, they feel relentless, but before COVID we were making a lot of decisions on autopilot. So they didn't feel so enormous and they didn't feel like there were such repercussions. But if you just remind yourself, you know, I've always made a ton of decisions. I just maybe didn't know it (laughs) and give oneself a little bit of grace and, you know, collapse on the floor in tears if you need to and take a break from it. If you need to take the mental health time you need, that'll help you get through. And then pretty soon it will level off and the decisions won't feel so enormous. Oh, I love that. And then Principal Matters listeners, I just want to remind you that you can find, um, of course, all of my resources at williamdparker.com. But Jen, I want you to remind them where they can find your resources. Yes, you can check out jenschwanke.com at any time and you'll find links there to the books that I've written that, that you referred to earlier, Will, and some other resources and connections there too. Well, Principal Matters listeners, remember that in whatever situation that you're in, you're not alone. And that everything that you do is important for your community to know that they're being served with compassion, with courage, because what you do matters. And we'll see you next week. See you, everyone.